Welcome to Authors Are Rockstars, a podcast dedicated to YA lit and rock and music. I'm Michelle. And I'm Allison. And today on the podcast, we have Jen Bosworth, who happens to rock. Yeah, she's the author of Struck, which is an awesomely intense post-apocalyptic adventure that we'll let Jennifer tell you more about in the interview. So can I just say, she has fabulous hair. (laughs) Yeah, she really does. Well, let's get to the interview with the author with fabulous hair. We are here at the awesome bookstore, Romans in Pasadena, with the lovely Jennifer Bosworth, author of Struck. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jennifer. Thanks for having me, guys. We're excited to talk to you. Mm -hmm. So can you introduce our listeners to your novel for those who haven't read it, which they should have, but yeah, you know. everybody should have read it by now. Yeah. What's, what's wrong with you? What's <laughs> Just for the five people who haven't, please tell our listeners a little bit about it. This podcast devoted to the five people who haven't read this book. <laughs> um, so uh, Struck is a post-apocalyptic novel with a supernatural twist. It's about a teenage girl who is not only a human lightning rod, but also a lightning addict. She's been struck by lightning hundreds of times throughout her life, and she's become addicted to this energy, this like live sensation she gets when she's struck by lightning. It's kind of like the ultimate drug. Don't do drugs, kids. Um, <laughs> uh, but it, as with most addictions, it's not very good for her. And so she, you know, because you don't want to be standing next to somebody when they're struck by lightning, she's, you know, endangering people around her. She's developed these veiny red, like, Lichtenberg figures all over her skin, which are a, kind of a real phenomena that happen to, to people who are struck by lightning. But usually they would fade within a few days. But hers just continue to grow until they're covering everything but her face. So she doesn't want them to keep getting, <laughs> yeah. keep going up. So she moves to Los Angeles with her family and she trades thunderstorms for earthquakes. And one in particular devastates the city. And in the aftermath, two doomsday cults rise to power. And they both see my character Mia as the means to their end, which is one wants to save the world, one wants to destroy it. And she she, they both have seers who have predicted that she's the key to both of those things. So, do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> well, can you tell us how this came up with this idea? I mean, did you get struck by lightning and then the idea came to you? Like, how did this? That work? would be such a good story. Was... <laughs> <laughs> so one day I was outside and I was struck by lightning, and then I decided to write this book. <laughs> so then I got addicted to it. <laughs> keep trying to get struck. No, I yeah, I wish I could say that I had been struck by lightning. That was so much cooler. I actually I I was doing research about human lightning rods because they really exist and you know some people they're they're just more likely to be struck if they've been struck already like so if you've been struck by lightning people watch out <laughs> your Stay chances inside. are higher but i found out about this guy who holds the world record for lightning strikes survived which is 7 and he was a park ranger and he you know he drove around with a bucket of water in the back of his truck because he never knew if he'd be struck by lightning light on fire and have to put himself out that's and, a problem. Yeah. That's like a serious problem. That's, you know, it's not the greatest life. <laughs> yeah. You have to keep a bucket of water everywhere. And people started to avoid him because nobody wanted to be standing next to him when he struck by lightning. So I read about this guy and I was like, why didn't you just get a different job? <laughs> just move. Work in an office. Just, yeah. yeah, like air conditioning, a cubicle. <laughs> But I, I started to, you know, just imagine like, why would you not, why would you not avoid it? Why would you not try to change that situation? And so I thought like, well, what if he liked it? What if it, you know, was this created the sensation of like being the, you know, ultimately alive. And that was kind of, you know, where the, the concept came from of, of a lightning addict. And then everything else shaped itself around that. So <laughs> I think it's still a cool 
story. Yeah, that is really cool. Yeah, I, um, I like well, it. So my next question for you would be about the cult aspect of the book, because I find cults like really pretty fascinating. I mean, there's something about, you know, people who have these fanatical beliefs and they'll just go to whatever lengths. I mean, it's like really interesting. So did you do a lot of research? How did you come up with that? And like, what drove you to write about these Crazy yeah. cults. I've always been obsessed with cults too. I just <laughs> okay. I don't know what it is. They're just You're not alone, Allison. <laughs> we should join a cult that's about obsessing about cults. <laughs> it's a medical. A medical, I like it. Yeah, I I did a lot of research into cults, and the more you research, the more fascinating it becomes because if you research things like Jim Jones and the People's Temple and Charles Manson, all of that stuff. It's like unbelievable what happened and what people will do and how they will just give up all of their freedom and autonomy and blindly follow someone. And this like blindly following a leader who is leading you down a terrible path. That was kind of the thing that I wanted to use for Struck because even right before the book came out, there was that guy who uh, said the world was going to end on a, a yes. specific day. Yes. And it's like, and people are going to believe you because they just, they want to believe in something. They want to like believe in someone and, and you get these charismatic leaders who can just convince you of anything. So yeah, I, I did a lot of research on Jim Jones, Charles Manson, the, David Koresh. And to lighten it up, did you watch the cult episode of Portlandia? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And I laughed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you put your character through some really tough moments. Did you find any particular scenes difficult to write? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a terrible person. I like to torture characters. <laughs> 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 Mwah, mistakes, you know. It was in early, in other versions, certain characters died, and that was hard to write. Like, mm -hmm. killing them was hard. But I always knew, I, I was testing them. I wanted to see how much they could take. But I, yeah, there were scenes with Mia and her mom, who's, you know, she's been traumatized by uh, being hurt by the earthquake she was trapped under a fallen building for three days and almost died and so my character Mia is trying to take care of her and she's kind of just lost her mind and those were those were hard to write on like a how would my character react sort of level I wanted to I wanted to make sure it was painful but not I, did, I still wanted the book to be fun <laughs> It's like yeah. fun torment. <laughs> we think you nailed it. Thanks. Very cool. It's very powerful. So we noticed that you are a Los Angeles transplant who is originally from Utah. Mm -hmm. So we're wondering if the sort of, you know, post-disaster setting of Struck is some kind of maybe commentary on the city of Los Angeles. I mean, we know we have bad traffic, but, you know, did and you really have to worse. nail the whole city? <laughs> I actually chose L.A. because, I mean, not be, not just because it's, a, it's, it's an earthquake city, so it's a good location. Yeah, it is. But I really love L.A., and I thought that would make it harder for me to, to destroy it, and I would be sad. And, you know, describing, like, these landmarks, like, in the book, a lot of key scenes take place downtown and on and at Venice Beach and I love Venice Beach it's so weird so I wanted to like take it you know take it farther like how could I make this place crazier and like downtown is already kind of a wasteland so yeah. like how can I make this a even worse wasteland so I'm like multiplying it by a thousand and, and just that was torturing for me. LA as well as torturing your characters. <laughs> Jerk. Wow. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I think you're just like an evil mad scientist and you're like, -ha -ha -ha. Yeah. you're sitting there writing and just laughing. I do sometimes like just kind of smile while I'm writing something really mean. She really is nice, guys. She's not, she's not scary, we swear. <laughs> so 
you're right for young adults. Let's talk about Jennifer the teenager. Okay. What was she like? Did she know she wanted to be a writer? Yes, she always knew. Aww. But it's it's hard when you, uh, you know, when you're a kid and you know for sure what you want to do, but you reach that age when it's like everybody's all, well, that's going to be really hard and you're probably going to starve and Aww. I don't want you to live in my basement. So you, I think unless you have, you know, artistic parents, then maybe it's a little bit harder to say, I'm going to be a novelist and have them be like, yes, that's going to turn out really well. <laughs> You're gonna you're gonna be able to support yourself for sure. Oh no. So but luckily my husband supported me for a long time on the path to becoming a writer. Yeah, teenage Jennifer knew though. She was dead set on what she wanted to do. So that's good. I mean I think you need to like know what you want. First things first, and mm -hmm. then you know, then you can go after it. Oh, that's really admirable. Did you write any novels when you were younger or was it like short stories or what was the development like? I wrote, <laughs> I always wrote, I would start novels. I wouldn't know where to go. They would just keep going. Right. When I was in fourth grade, I wrote my first book. It was, I wrote it and illustrated it. So I had this little scary haunted house picture book and I brought a boombox to class. <laughs> Because <laughs> so I wanted it to be like a full, like almost a movie. I love it. Well, that's like an old school version of now, like authors make playlists and share yeah. them with their readers. You're ahead of the time. Yeah, definitely. I was like, this is going to be big someday. I like it. I like it. You were on to that like social media before we had social media. So Struck is your first novel. I mean, after the Haunted House one, mm -hmm. maybe. Maybe there were a few in between, but there this were is some, your, the there first. There were some <laughs> Some trash books that I wrote. <laughs> well, so this is the first one we've had the privilege to read. So tell us about your journey then to getting published. We always love to hear those stories. Okay. I always did know I wanted to be a writer. Um, as soon as I graduated from college, I was like, okay, it's time to do it. Like, write a book. So I started writing and, you know, I was going by the, like, the Stephen King, you know, write 2,000 words a day and just like keep going. And I did that. And the pages kept piling up and piling up. And I finished my first novel and it was 250,000 words long, oh, wow. which is about 150,000 words past the limit that you're supposed to have for a first novel. Oh, wow. It was this like epic fantasy that combined so many books. It was actually one of the... <laughs> One of the concepts that was in that book was The Hunger Games, and there were many others. <laughs> so I was basically just stealing every idea that I liked and putting it all into one book. So I got finished with it, and I was like, I don't know what this is. This unusable. I can't do anything with this. But you did it. That's so cool. Yes. So I finished that one, and I started on a new one. And then that one was even longer. Wow. <laughs> and I just, I couldn't seem to stop myself, and I couldn't focus on one idea and so I, you know, I was like, writing novels is hard. I'm, I live in LA now. I'm going to try screenwriting because <laughs> there are fewer words. So I, you know, I'll, I'll see what I can do with this. And so I started reading about screenwriting and that was the first time I learned about high concept, mm. <laughs> which is basically just like one idea, yes. <laughs> like a really good idea that you can convey easily. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, okay. Maybe I should just use one idea, like one concept. <laughs> and so I started writing Struck after that with one concept. And that worked out well. Like yeah. that, that time it happened. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a lot of work getting to where you are now. Yeah. Um, what would be a piece of advice that you would give to aspiring writers? My favorite piece of advice, I think, is to write the book that only you can write. I felt like with Struck, you know, I put so much of what was me into it instead of instead of what I was doing before, which was stealing everybody else's ideas. 
<laughs> like, I was just, I was trying to write the books that other people had written already, and I was finding new parts of myself that I hadn't seen somewhere else. Like they were inspired by other things, but they weren't like literal theft. <laughs> as far as I know, nobody else has coined the the term lightning addict. So yeah. I felt like I I found something new, and that is that is something that only I would have come up with. I think, or maybe you know, ten years from now, somebody else would have, but. <laughs> I got to it first. It's very original. I, I think it really stands out. Thank you. And I think, you know, a lot of people go through, you know, when they're when they're starting to write, they, they need to imitate for a while. And that's fine. That's a good way to learn. But at some point, you have to write a, the book that is only in you because otherwise somebody else will have written it. And you'll take it to a publisher and they'll say, well, we already have this. And that can happen anyway. I mean, mm -hmm. but it's less likely to happen if you really dig deep and find what is unique about yourself that you can translate into a book. I, I'm obsessed with shows like Top Chef and Project Runway and like, <laughs> I shouldn't watch so much of this, but I think what I like so much about these kinds of shows is that the judges are always talking about point of view mm. and having a unique point of view through your design, through your cooking, through anything. And I think that's true for, for storytelling. You need to have a unique point of view. And if you haven't found your point of view yet, that can be a problem. That can be, I think that's why people have such a hard time understanding voice. Like what is voice? What does that mean? I don't know. I think voice is more about point of view. Like you've found what you want to say and you can translate it through a story. Oh, so. that's so interesting. I love your perspective on that. <laughs> My okay. point of view. And the, your if point you will. Of view, yes, your point. <laughs> I have to go Did back I? to the um, reality TV and ask what if there were a reality TV show competition for authors? <laughs> what would that be like? <laughs> I think you would have to make a lot of external drama because <laughs> the writing is so boring. <laughs> To watch. People <laughs> yeah, hunched over their laptop, drinking glaring at it. So I'm you'd sure. have to create some drama among the writers. Yeah. And I think that's probably not hard. <laughs> you guys would probably have fun with that, you know? Yeah. Very good. Like realistic versus sci-fi, like you know, <laughs> genre, genre battles. All right. So you do quite a few events and speaking engagements as an author. So what is your favorite part about getting out there and connecting with your readers? It's hard to get teens to come out to mm -hmm. events, especially in LA, because it's hard to get around here. But I love meeting teens. They're so cool. I was never that cool. <laughs> but like, they're so... <sighs> They're so smart and they know what they like. And I, I swear teens are, are better than they, they used to. When I was a teen, teens were not like this. But I love meeting them and I love their enthusiasm and just, you know, even if they, they're just so honest and they are so cute when they come up and they're Aww. excited to meet you and you're like, you feel like a celebrity, even though. <laughs> <laughs> far from but um, I think that's my favorite thing it just it reminds me like why you know not why I'm doing this because I'm doing it because I like mm -hmm. telling stories from the perspective of young people but it's just like an added bonus and you know they really appreciate the storytelling and they get so into it probably more than I do <laughs> that's really cool. so, yeah it's exciting yeah. to see people that enthused I always love going to the events and just watching everybody interact with the authors it's so fun yeah and it's it brings like just a good energy it's a loving love community it. it's so loving <laughs> See, well, that, that's no good for a reality show. No. Too much love. No, see, too much love. We need drama. We All need, right. um, what's his name, Puck from the real world? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there I you remember go. him, the bike messenger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, well, I've got a silly question for you. If you could write a crossover series with any of your fellow young adult authors, 
Who would you write with and what would it be about? Yeah, I've never met Cory Doctorow. He's written some, like some books that I love and he writes great boy characters and he writes like good, you know, techie stuff. And I can't write the techie stuff. I would love to write something fantastical or horror and like crossover with that. And he just seems cool. Like when I was working on Struck, I emailed him a question, just kind of like, I'll just see if he'll answer. He answered almost immediately and gave me some great advice. And I just think he would be a really cool person to work with. That's awesome. I feel like he's one of those people with a very unique point of view and he does whatever he wants. Like he's like, this is the story I'm gonna tell. I don't care what anybody else says about it. I'm telling it and he has very important things to say. I would love to work with somebody like that. Oh, Do a that little crossover cool. with that. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Well, okay, Corey, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> so tell our listeners what you're working on now. It's another cult book. Ooh, um, sign me up. Not for the cult, though, just for the book. <laughs> Actually, this is a cult that you might want to live in, and that was why I wanted to write it. I'm obsessed with, like, hippie communes. Ooh. And so awesome. this one is about a... See, that Portlandia episode really was I know. for you. It was so... <laughs> I, I really, like, I actually uh, went to Portland to do research for this book because it's set in Oregon, and I went to a commune to see what they're really like. Wow. And it was weird. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to live on this one in particular, but <laughs> I'll create my own. So this, uh, the next book is called The Killing Jar, and it's about a teenage girl who's abducted into a utopian, kind of hippie-esque commune and in the middle of nowhere. It's actually kind of like a mini dystopian because it's a small, perfect society where and things go terribly wrong. Yeah. Are they ever perfect? <laughs> they can never be perfect. Dun, dun, dun. But there's exciting. some supernatural twists with this Ooh. one, too. Ooh. Supernatural hippies. I, I sign me up, supernatural hippies. Get out of there. That should definitely be the way that this is pitched, like in publicized. Supernatural hippie time, go! Yeah. <laughs> Hippies are, they, they should, I mean, they deserve supernatural powers. I feel, I think they would do good things with them. So. Okay, well, let's transition away from hippies to karaoke. It's a natural transition. <laughs> natural transition. Let's, let's, let's take Mia out for karaoke. What would she sing? I think she would maybe sing like ACDC. Nice. She would sing Thunderstruck. Thunder. Oh. <laughs> awesome. Very good. That does seem like the natural response for that. Yes, very good. All right. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us today. This was so much fun. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much to Vroman's Bookstore for allowing us to record this awesome interview at your awesome bookstore. Did I mention it was awesome? I think we used the word awesome even more than usual in this episode of the podcast, which is maybe like some kind of record for us. <laughs> yeah. So thanks also to the lovely Jennifer Bosworth for taking the time to chat with us and her publisher, Macmillan, who is also, you guessed it, awesome. All right. Well, we'll be back again soon with another Authors, Authors Are, are Rockstars. Rock